Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And the day has come. The day has come. It's 200. It's episode 200. We're calling it that. And if you say this is episode 202, you're just a hater. Like, you're just making our lives more difficult. Welcome into episode number 200, everybody. Yay! No one is more excited about this than Laura. I think Laura was beginning to get worried that we are going to have to keep prolonging this numeric system that we had figured out. And for we, an had started it, we had started it too far up. Yeah. <laughs> We were worried, but we got it done. We got it done. This is episode 200. It's a really special episode for a number of reasons, of course, just because we're thinking about the fact that we've sat down and we've done this 200 plus times. Um, Again, don't check our math there. Uh, 200 plus times. And it's also a big interview a day for us as well. We've got Pascal Vincent on the show here in a little bit. I The name of the episode is Pascal. But like, you know this, like we've teased it, you know, it's happening. So I'm not going to do like a big old grand reveal, but uh Right now, I feel like we're very much living our, like, and I know for neither one of us is this our childhood homes that we're in right now, but I feel like we're just, like, both recording from, like, our quote-unquote, like, childhood home. Like, we're both at, like, our parents' house uh, recovering from Thanksgiving. So, Laura, how was your Thanksgiving? It's Black Friday as people are listening to this now. Any fun Black Friday plans? How How was everything? How was your Thanksgiving? And most importantly, what was your favorite dish that you ate today? And I know that you had a plan for what this answer is going to be and that we're disappointed that it's not. I still might take you up on your offer for you to bring me some. I um, mean, <laughs> uh, no, my Thanksgiving was good. Um, I'm currently at my mom's house in Northeast Ohio. Um, and yeah, it's pretty, we always, my mom always uh, gets the main holidays and we celebrate with my dad early so we celebrated with him on Sunday, but, um, so yeah, I got to see a good chunk of the nieces and nephews and both my siblings and my step siblings and, um, had sort of a, just a nice casual, my mom does it like open house style where she has like a general starting time, but then she tells people that they can come um whenever they their schedules allow um because um obviously since i just said that i have step siblings like i come from a family of divorce so so do my step siblings so um we have multiple places typically to go on holidays um so we've been doing it kind of open open house style for a while now um but yeah the food was good my mom always does a great spread I provided the desserts, which went very quickly. Um, my nephew Carter attempted very, he almost got away with it. He almost got away with getting a whole second piece of Buckeye pie, but his parents quickly caught him. Buckeye pie, I would say, with extra whipped cream that he added to it. Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but they quickly kiboshed that and my stepdad ate it instead. Um, Which honestly, though, boo. Well, like, in all fairness, apparently he didn't eat much of his like real food. Um, 
but then was trying to sneak two pieces of pie. So hey, food um, is food. There is no such thing as real food. Food is food. It's true, and he's only seven, so like let him let him live his life. But um, so yeah, then I took like a I well I got to color for like an hour and a half with my niece Hallie, and she has made me a pile of new things to hang up in my office and at my home. Um, and then I took a nap in a not very comfortable chair. So, and then I've just been watching cabin renovation shows with my mom until she I went to bed. That. I love so, that. So, um, but favorite thing that I ate today, it's not the thing that I was initially going to say because there wasn't any of that. So that made me sad, but... Um, I'm gonna say the turkey. My mom's turkey was really good this year. That's like, a win. I feel like turkey usually does not get a place on the podium for most. Yeah, people. like even the white meat was like really good. Um, so yeah, turkey. She makes really good gravy. So that was really I good. That. I love that for you. Um. But yeah, nothing super crazy. And then tomorrow, um, no real Black Friday shopping because I've kind of got all of that done with pre-Black Friday sales. But I'm taking Hallie and Hudson and my mother uh, to go see Trolls, the new movie, or Trolls 3. Trolls 3? Yes, Trolls 3. Um, and then to lunch, and we're going to do a little shopping, but it's mostly for the kids to pick out stuff. Of course. So, that feels right. Hudson already asked me if we can go to GameStop. So, which I assume is for card, like traded cards, not for video games, but we'll see, I guess. Fascinating. He's real into trading cards of all types. Um, Love that. So, it's better than um, drugs. I, if my 10 year old nephew was, that would be concerning. Sure, of um, course. But or nine, he's nine. If my nine-year-old nephew, um, that would be concerning. But so yeah, nothing crazy. My hands hurt because I made twenty pies and eight dozen cookies in thirty-six hours. So that'll do it. That will do it. Throbbing. Yeah, that's fair. But it was good. It was good. good How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Yeah. We, I love playing sous chef for my dad on Thanksgiving. That's really a great time. I have to say that my favorite dish so far, I say so far, like I'm going to eat more. <laughs> it's fucking 10 o'clock. Um, I made, I'm in charge of the mashed potatoes every year. Like that's like my, like nobody comes near me on those. And it's because they understand. I, this year switched it up boiled the potatoes with some chicken bouillon like powder as well love that the sodium content was high i'm not gonna lie to you and then i did like a brown butter and cream in in it instead of just doing like normal like knobs of butter or whatever and so good so good what's that so i like the word knobs knobs of butter don't people say that no they do i just i like it i like the word knobs of butter well, you say you do or don't like it? I do. Oh, okay, great. I was like worried. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh no. Um, I, no, so it was good. I 
question for the listeners. Has anybody ever plated their Thanksgiving meal at the time in which your family has communicated that you're going to have Thanksgiving? No, right? Like we're all we're all on no. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. I think that eating at a restaurant that's serving you Thanksgiving and you had to make a reservation. I don't think anyone has ever eaten at the time that they stated they were eating. Can't be right. I think we said four today. Five thirty plate time. I think. I think. Like that sounds. That's like the casual like ketchup time and like you snicky snacky on things. The deviled eggs that I made were amazing. Yeah, I don't fuck around with deviled eggs, but uh, no, I mean, it was good. It was good. And then tomorrow I have a pretty chill-ish day going in glass blowing ornaments. That's going to be a journey. Don't know how that's going to go. Who are you glass blowing ornaments with? Oh, with my dad, Sean and like family. So please don't burn yourself. I'm worried I'm going to burn the works down on accident, so we'll see how that goes. Shout out to the works in Newark, not sponsored, but could be. Hey. Um, oh, the, like, <laughs> Science Center place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I took the kids that one time. Um, Can't wait. And there is a glass blowing studio there. Yeah, that is what we're doing tomorrow, so stay tuned on how that goes. It'll be a journey. You should make a blue and red one. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I will. I like that. I like that. I'm, and I'm in my good Blue Jackets headspace because we went to the game on Wednesday and they won. We'll talk about that a little bit. But I'm extra in a good Blue Jackets headspace because we, it's been like a positive, right? Like it's been a positive like week for us. Obviously getting to see each other, going to the game on Wednesday, fun. But And obviously like the interview that we're going to get to is extraordinary and I really can't wait for everybody to hear it. But it's also like we haven't celebrated or talked at all about the fact that we've done this now 200 times and and we're there and and you know i again recognizing that in that time of course you know we were on chaos mode in the beginning and we were recording an episode after every game and you know we got to 200 a lot quicker (laughs) a lot of podcasts do but it doesn't take it away from us i think the fact that this has been a journey like this has been wild to say that we've done this 200 times i mean like i quit so many things before i do them 200 times like can you think of something that you regularly do 200 times that isn't like necessary to live i mean baking is really the only thing that i have not given up on and have done well over 200 times yeah like there's not very many things i think in life that like you do so regularly or so often and 200 times in four years is it's pretty cool. So well in three years. Well, yeah, that's fair. Four seasons is what I'm thinking. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's been such a short period of time. If you think about it, we'll have uh, three years in January. And so to do 200 episodes in, by then is crazy. In whatever day that we determine this year is our birthday the anniversary. 15th? I don't remember what it is. I it's think it's like the 17th. In, it's in the middle there somewhere. I don't know, but no, I mean, I, and I think it'd be, Especially because, as like I said, we're recording this episode, and, and we won't take up too much of this time because, again, I sincerely cannot wait for y'all to hear this interview. But two hundred, and on a day that you're supposed to be most grateful for things, it's hard to not sit here and reflect on that, and and to be grateful for all of the people, all of the things, all of the experiences that have happened over the course of the last two hundred episodes. And I really can't. I have no idea where the next 200 are going to go, but it's hard to not sit here and just like be mind blown at the, at the 200 that have been. Yeah. I mean, for anyone, I, I know we've told this story before, but like 
you know, this started in year, just into year two of the pandemic. So in 2021, um, and it came about, you were already doing a hockey related podcast, um, line change. Um, and you called me one day and I think it was a Saturday, uh, you called me and you were like, Hey, I had a thought in the shower (laughs) and I was like, okay. And you go, what do you think about us doing a podcast together uh, about the Blue Jackets? And I was like, all right. I mean, we don't have anything else going on. So we can't go to, at the time we couldn't go to games and, you know, they were playing without fans and it was the shortened COVID season. Um, And so we just started, I don't even think we didn't have micro, you might've had a mic, you did have a microphone. I didn't have a microphone at first. Um, and I think we just did it on zoom. I don't think we did it on Streamyard yet. Um, and it was, I can't go back and listen to those first episodes cause they're chaos. But like you said, we were recording after every single game, um, that first, uh, season and yeah, it just went, I mean, I don't think either one of us thought that it was going to go A, this long, or B, in the direction that it has gone. Um, And to see the growth and the community that we've built and the relationships that we've built and to build the kind of reputation that I think both of us are really proud of, um, not only like with our community and like with you know, our listeners and followers and all that sort of stuff, but like with the physical people that run and, you know, work or work with the Blue Jackets, like to have the kind of um, access that we can get sometimes to things. I think um, some of our fellow like podcasts for other teams, you know, due to the market that they're in or however things work, like you're just not able to get that kind of access, um, especially for podcasts. So um, I think we're very fortunate in that way. Um, And I think this episode is definitely a great example of that. Um, And yeah, just the like lifelong friends that we now have from this um, that I can't really imagine our life without at this point. which I just think is such a big deal. And yeah, just like through every up and down, like our communities really like come out and been there and supported us. And um, it, it sounds cheesy when we call ourselves out, but like we do really feel like the podcast of the people um, and of the, fan, of the fan perspective and like the broader fan perspective. Um yeah, and I think we make the the hockey world a little brighter. So I know that this doing this show with you has really gotten me through a lot of craziness and has been, you know, the bright light in a lot of things. And to think about everything that my own personal life has gone through since we started this show, like, um, I should be locked up in a mental asylum, probably, but... The show really got me through, so I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah, and I'm just really excited. I don't, 
I hope you don't, but I don't see, you know, an end in sight for our little show that could. So just very grateful. So. It's about now about time to th- tell you that I, I didn't extend my contract. It's now about time to. Oh, yeah, it would be. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. I'll figure and... out how to edit myself and I'll just. No, I don't know. I couldn't. I'm not smart enough. <laughs> First of all, yes, you are. And second of all, I would actually love to, I think, maybe just like listen to you speak into the void with like no real like <laughs> for well, like an hour. I wouldn't speak into the void. I would force Megan to do it with me. No, I know that doesn't satisfy me though. What I need is just an hour long listen to you going. And I don't know where you'll go. And I can't wait. I like really am excited to hear where that'll go. It'll be five minutes of reflection of what your week was 40 minutes of Elvis Verzlikens like analysis <laughs> hey I cut that way down I'm trying to keep my opinion to myself <laughs> I think you're doing well I think you're doing good but yeah I and yeah, then I did additional 20 minutes about how much I miss Cameron yeah oh you're right yeah there would definitely be some of that in there how did I forget but yeah I mean I just it's felt great to be able to do this show. And I, like you said, I mean, uh, you look back at where we were in January of 2021, not only as, as this little show that could, like you called it, I like that you called it that, but as people, <laughs> like, like I was still in grad school, like it, so much was different. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and somehow this has been a constant. And even though not all of us uh, thought it was going to be a constant, which is crazy. Yeah, who could that have been? But little man, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Um, was in a bad place and you were moving 500 miles away. It's like 300, first of all. And second of all, <laughs> your point is still well received. I just like to give you shit about it when I can. So and my hand was being burnt by a very hot tea and we both had COVID and didn't know it. Yeah. No, that's probably true. I don't think your hand was being burnt by the hot tea by then, but anyway, okay. We're, we're 20 minutes into the episode already. And I think <laughs> the thing that people are here for the most, not that they don't love celebrating 200 with us. And if you're here and you want to lie to us and tell us that's the reason that you're listening to this episode, thank you. We appreciate you. There are probably a couple of you, I'm sure. Um, but the real reason that we're so excited for this episode is because I don't know what I was expecting. And it's not that I was expecting this to not be a good interview. That's not what I expect at all. But I think about, and this is with no disrespect to any of the folks who have been on our show in the past, I have never had an interview be so in depth. Uh, Pascal Vincent was incredibly generous with his time with us. Uh, So we've got about 40 minutes of a conversation with him. And I kid you all not, like we stopped recording and we all three agree that like we could probably keep going. It was just a really fun conversation about hockey, about what the blue jackets are trying to do here. And here's, here's my preface. Like I, Go into this with an open mind. Listen to this conversation with an open mind and recognize that when Laura and I went to go do this interview, it was right after a lot of the turmoil that surrounded this team really started to bubble over with everything related to the team's coaching and 
you know, Patrick Liney being benched and, and scratched and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I have seen where coaches have really shied away from talking about that stuff. And I think that that's indicative of who a coach is. He Pascal Vincent didn't do that in this yeah. conversation at all. Um, he talked about it actually without even really being asked about it. Uh, and you'll hear that in a moment, but I, I don't have enough good things to say. And, and here, hear me say this just because this 40 minutes is a quality interview. And I think that we couldn't have imagined a better conversation. We're going to do what he says in the interview, which is, and this is a little bit of a giveaway. Keep being curious and keep asking questions and keep challenging because even if this guy is not your favorite guy in the world, even if he's not your favorite hockey mind in the world, this is a stand-up guy that you're about to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it best, so I won't keep the people waiting. So here you go. Here is our interview exclusive with Columbus Blue Jackets head coach, Pascal Vincent. All right, everyone. So we have a very special guest with us today. We're excited to welcome head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Pascal Vincent, to the show. Pazzy, thanks for hopping on, giving us some time. We really appreciate it. <clears throat> well, it's my pleasure to be here. Well, hey, we've got some pretty great listeners that know the background as far as your coaching history and the Q, all of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, winning head coach of the year in the A. But talk to us a little bit about your hockey love story. What's the background? How did you become introduced to the game? And when did it become clear to you that in one way or another that this sport was going to be such an integral part of your life? I, 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 I don't know the answer. To be honest with you, I, I, I've been playing hockey since as far as I can remember. Um, <laughs> there's uh, there's pictures of me in the family album. I, I'm two, three years old, and I'm holding a hockey stick that's way too big for me. So I've been in love with this game my whole life. Um, it helped me shape who I am today as a person, the discipline, the hard work, um, the teamwork. Uh, I've made great friends. I've met a lot of good people. I've experienced um, winning championship championships, failures, as a team, uh, as a player, and now um, growing and still growing, s still trying to improve as a, as a person and as a coach. But it's been part of my life um, for my whole 52 years. Well, it seems that um, as part of that, becoming an NHL head coach um, was a fate that seemed uh, destined to come true for you for a number of years. Um, now that you're roughly a quarter of a way through the first season um, as the head coach, head coach of the Blue Jackets, um, how are you adjusting and what have these couple of months been like for you? Well, it's been pretty intense um, in a sense that <clears throat> we had to turn around pretty quick before the season and um, adjust uh, just a few days before training camp. But the fact that I knew the room and I knew the team and I knew the management and the people here helped me tremendously uh, adjust. Now, <clears throat> whether you coach in junior in the American League at the NHL level, the game remains the same, right? It's the same, <clears throat> the same rules, same goal. And um, <clears throat> what is different, it's, it's how you manage your people. And, and the expectations. So the expect expectations are, are higher. The pressure is a little bit higher, way higher. 
But when you have a good room like we do right now, it facilitates the job of the coaches. And and I have a real strong staff with me. We work really well together. We <coughs> we're always I'm sorry about that. We're always um, debriefing. We're always talking about what needs to be done in order to get where we want to be. So having said that, the way I think and the way I approach things most of the time, it's I start with the end in mind. And that means what's the end goal? What do we want to achieve as a blue jacket? What do we want to give to our fans? What do we want to achieve as an organization? And it's pretty simple. The answer is pretty simple. It's the Stanley Cup. Now, it's hard to get there, right? It's really hard to get there. But that's the goal. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, and knowing that, now you peel the onion and you go at the start and say, okay, that's the goal. We want to make the playoffs every year, not once in a while. We want to build a franchise that is a, a playoff team every year. And in order to do that, you have to look at, where are we at today and what have we done in the past that we want to keep and what do we need to do in order to become that kind of team for our fans for our city for our players our management our ownership <clears throat> so changes and i know i'm bringing a lot of changes here at a very fast pace uh, but it's necessary if we want to achieve something that is and that dream is 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 big. We're dreaming big, uh, and I don't know how to dream anywhere, in any other fashion. I, I dream big, and and my goal is, our goal is how are we gonna become that playoff team year after year, and eventually, <clears throat> give ourselves a chance to win that that trophy, the Stanley Cup. So we're we're making a lot of changes. Uh, one at a time, one day at a time, the, the mindset, the culture, uh, the way we um, we practice, the way we train, the way we think. And, and when you're in that period, and we're right there right now, it doesn't necessarily translate in wins right away. It creates um, discomfort. Uh, it's not normal for now until all of those new habits that we're trying to create become normal and then that's our new standard and then from there continuous improvement trying to get better and better and better <clears throat> but right now we're in that phase where it's not comfortable it's not uh it's different um the expectations are different the mindset is different the standards are different so we're we're in that changing phase where um we're getting things becoming more normal and normal to to play the way we want to play, to focus the way we want to focus, to behave in a different way. So um, long answer to your question, but it's an adjustment. But that's not just an adjustment that's going to take a few weeks or and then we're good. Then we we're, we're, we can celebrate. It's going to be consistent and trying to better every week every game every practice year after year after year and that's when after a while when it becomes who we are that's our team identity doesn't matter who wears the jersey or if it's a call up a trade a young player an older player you have to abide by the values of the blue jackets and and that's what we're trying to build right now 
obviously our record is not great that's a fact um how we've played those games were good enough to win a lot of those games but we didn't and that's the final score is the most important stat for us uh, so we weren't successful in that regard but if we keep progressing and doing things right I think we're going to have a pretty successful organization for a long time. Yeah, and I think that that has to fire <laughs> folks up to here, right? I think culture change takes takes a while, right? And if you've ever been in any sort of a profession where coaching has been a part of it, you know that that takes time, and and I can appreciate that. And I want to know too. I mean, I feel like over the last you know few weeks, you know, a lot of the the talk has been that it can sometimes be a challenge to go from being an associate head coach on a team to, to moving into the head coaching role because those <laughs> roles are entirely different. Can you walk us through what that means? I hear it all the time. And I, I'm wondering, does that have merit? Is that just something that people who have a microphone in front of them say in moments like this? Um, what does that look like and how has that shift maybe yeah. affected the relationships that you have in the room? Well, thank you for asking that question because it, it does matter. Um, and, and it's an important one because it's true that it could be a hard adjustment. Um, if you were an assistant coach for many, many years with a team and you're the good guy around the team and, and you know, you're very, very close to the players, uh, I can see the adjustment being harder it's doable uh, a lot of guys have done it and it's doable and those guys have been successful but it's it's it takes a little bit of a longer time for the players to see your new role and to accept you with those new responsibilities because at the end of the day we have a staff and and we make decisions together but they know that it, it it has to be approved by the head coach. And he's the guy that says yes or no at the end of the day. So when you're an assistant coach, you're not necessarily in that chair, if I may explain it that way. And then the players, are they know that, okay, maybe you, you were, you agreed with those decisions. Maybe you didn't. Um, but you're not the one that made the decision. Um, in my case, I've been a head coach my pretty much my whole 30 years of coaching so that's it's more normal to me to be a head coach than an assistant coach now <clears throat> when i i say that when i've been assistant coach and or associate coach i try to be the person or the the assistant coach or the associate coach that that i would want to hire if i was the head coach so loyalty hard work um communication with with the head coach with the players to do it the right way. And, uh, <clears throat> but there's one thing I know, cause I've been doing this for a long time is if you're trying to be somebody you're not, it, it never works. Maybe it's going to work for a short period of time, but it never works. So as an associate coach, they knew I was not making those final decisions, but my loyalty to the head coach and to the organization was not something that they ever challenged. They knew I was there to, help the team and whatever the coach was saying, <coughs> I was there to support him. And I don't play games with people. I don't play games with players. I don't pretend to be a good guy if I don't feel like being a good guy that day or a bad guy just to create some kind of a, 
dynamics that uh, you, we think it needs to happen in order to achieve some. I don't do that. I, I, I even if I tried, I would be really bad at it. So I I was just myself and um, and and I got to know those players. Um, I got close to the players, but not at a point where there's a line. Uh, where they see me as an assistant coach or an associate coach, it was they knew I was a, a coach, part of the coaching staff, and I think my mentality and my personality fits better being a head coach. Well, and kind of along the same breath, um, you've said from the beginning, and this is something that Jeremy and I have spoken on briefly, or not briefly, previously on our show, um, that. Um, if a player if players aren't meeting the moment they're going to be held accountable so how has the team responded to that shift in the culture and how do you respond to the criticism um, from pundits that the shift has gone too far um, after scratching patrick line on sunday yeah i i understand and i expect it and uh, i welcome it um because those people that have an opinion, whether it's good or negative or positive, or it's sometimes it's mean. And but but the foundation of this is they care, right? They care about the team, they follow the team, and those people are important to us. And I'm not in a position to please people. I'm not if I was in that position, I was trying and I was trying to please people, it, it's not gonna work. Um it will never work. I'm here to make decisions that are the best for the team. Like I said, we have a vision for this organization. We have a vision for the future, for the present too. But in order to get there, we have to make decisions today. And it's it, 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 those decisions are really hard. Those conversations are really hard to have with the players. Uh, but at the same time, they're very simple. And like I explained it to, to whoever wants to listen, <clears throat> the way I approach it is, so a guy like Patrick, for example, I've known Patrick for eight years, nine, nine years now. Um, I, I care a whole lot about the man. I, I care about Patrick. But Patrick is Patrick, and but he's also 29. That's his hockey player jersey. When I coach 29, I care about Patrick. That doesn't go away but I care the performance of 29 and we just take him as an example, but it's the same for everyone. They're all different. We care about them all, but they're all different. They all have different personalities and the expectations for all of them are different. So <clears throat> I know how good Patrick Liney can be. And when I don't see that he's at that level, then he's underperforming. And we take Patrick as an example, but it could be anyone. I'm repeating myself, but that's very important. So we treat everyone differently because they're different people. It, they're not all the same under the same structure of our values and our, our expectations as a team. But individually, they have they all have different roles. They all have different expectations, different skill set, different experiences. It, they're all different. So we approach them individually with different expectations that and, and their roles has to fit within the team organization. But what we're going to see in, in that phase where we're, it's not comfortable right now and it's not like, I don't want to sit Patrick Liney. I don't want to sit Johnny Goudreau. I, we need those guys. 
<clears throat> but where we're going, it's going to become normal. If you don't perform to the expectations that we have for you, then you're not going to play. And, and it's as simple as that. We play 82 games a year. It's a lot. But at the same time, it goes very fast. It's only 82 games in nine months. If we don't perform one game, we're missing that moment to be the best we can be. And not everybody will perform every night. We know that. So having those expectations, being able to communi communicate with our players and explaining, this is why I made that decision. This is why. Do you agree? And if you don't agree, let's talk about it and we'll come to a common, uh, common ground. Um, and sometimes they don't agree at all. And, and that's okay. We're not in the business to be friends. We're in the business to be respectful to each other because we want to perform at the highest level possible. So it's coming to a point where, okay, you don't agree. This is how I see it. This is because of the, 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 the evaluation we have at this moment. And they're all different. So the evaluation that we have, like a guy like Patrick, for example, I felt that's it's not necessarily about how we can play at this moment. It's because he was injured for a long period of time. He came back. He was cleared to play by the doctors, and rightfully so. He was he wanted to play really bad. We wanted him bad uh, back in the lineup. Um, but the way he was playing, I, I was watching and watching, and we watched the tapes after the games, and we watch every actions of every players. It takes me five hours to watch a game after every single game, and the other coaches do the same thing. And we come to around the table, and what did you see? What did I see? And then we exchange. Okay, Patrick, he's not the confident man that I know. He's not the. He doesn't have the same hands. The skate. Maybe we need to take a deep breath and and. Maybe our excitement, he was physically cleared to play, but maybe our excitement to have him back was a little bit too fast. Maybe not. But we felt, okay, I know he cares. I, I, he works hard in the practices. He's a good man. Uh, it was not a simple decision, but it was a decision that we came up that what's best for Patrick Laine right now? Is it to put him in the position that most likely he won't succeed today or we give him a, a day off? or a break to just take a deep breath and come back stronger. <clears throat> so I'm just giving you glimpse, uh, glimpse and, and uh, that's the reader's digest version behind the decision, but all guys are different. Um, is it too much? No, it's not. If we, wanna, if we wanna see change, we have to change our approach. And, and in order to change that, decisions have to be made. And I truly believe in this team. I truly believe in our guys in the organization. And it's in order to be the best of the best, you have to do things differently. And and we we have a plan, we have a vision, and we're going to reinforce that. And I truly believe that nobody's bigger than the team. No one. Not me. No one. Um, if if I'm not accountable, I want the assistant coaches and to tell me if I don't, if I'm not doing the right things, they will tell me. I was actually telling the players this morning, we had a meeting with our leadership group. And um, recently we sat down around the table, the coaching staff, and it was, uh, it was pretty intense. Uh, big words were flying around and it was very intense. We disagreed on some stuff and I find it very healthy. It was respectful. Don't get me wrong, but the emotions were high. The, the, I call it the RPM was in the red. 
And um, but at the end of the day, we were better as a coaching staff. We we understood how we felt uh, about certain things. We explained it, and we. What I liked the most about it is we all felt comfortable to be true to ourselves and to express those opinions to the rest of the group. And, and to me, that's a sign of a healthy uh, relationship. They were on, we were honest with each other. It was not fun, but it was good. And, and we grew. And then, and then after that, we're, <coughs> we're not laughing about it, but we're cracking jokes about, Hey, you got really mad there. Or why did you get mad? And then stuff like that. But I think our relationship with the players and, and where we're going, it's, it's, it's shifting right now. But during that shift, it's, it's not comfortable. And I understand why the fans are like, Ooh, not sure. And it's okay. And I, I welcome it. Um, but, but we're going somewhere. I, I, I am convinced we're going somewhere. Yeah, it's hard to believe that that's not the case, like hearing you talk about it and recognizing it. I think being able to lead through conflict is a sign of a, of a really positive environment within the room. And so, um, you know, kudos to you all for working through that because it's it's a volatile environment and, and people are competitive and it doesn't matter who you're putting out there. They want to win. And, and so I can only imagine how how many big words might get thrown around every now and again, of course, in a respectful manner. But, um, you know, we've we've talked to you enough about the, the stuff that everybody is talking about right now. And I know that you are, if nothing else, uh, an elite hockey mind. And so I've got to pick your brain on um, the special teams of this club because that penalty kill is elite. Like it has been really good. You know, as we're recording this, fourth in the league, 87.3%. Uh, and the power play is kind of the opposite story. And I'm just kind of wondering from your perspective, you know, what has been the key to the success on the PK? And what do you think some of those shortcomings have been within the within the power play? Is, is it a product of system breakdowns? Is it a lack of effort or confidence or concentration? Or is it kind of a combination of all of those variables? <laughs> um I, I would say it, nothing is um, nothing is black or white, especially for special teams. Uh, it's always a combination of different things. Um, so we have Steve McCarthy. He runs the penalty kill. He's been here for it's going to be his third year. Most of the guys that are on the penalty kill have been here for at least two years. Um, they understand. So we started somewhere. We, we build on this one. That's our foundation. And now we're tweaking here and there what we're doing here, pre-scouting the other teams. We're going to do this instead of that, little things like that. But the foundation remains the same, and the language have been the same. So for the PK, and Mac, Steve McCarthy is, is a, telling you he's a superstar as a coach. He's really, really, really good. He's good with the D. He runs a good bench with the defensemen. He knows his stuff former player, played in Europe, played in the NHL, great man, great mind. He's a student of the game. And, and now you can we can see what consistency can do. So he's been consistent with where we started, and then we're building on top of that every year, every week, every month, every game. And now we're seeing the confidence level. It's fast. We're defending fast. We're in the shooting lane fast. We're in the passing lane fast. We're good at defending the blue line. And, and then our goalies are doing a real good job. They have to be part of it. Our two goalies have been good this year. Um, and they're key players on the, on the penalty kill. But I, to me, the most important part of it is the consistency between what was taught and, and what's happening right now. Creating offense 
it, at the National Hockey League level is really difficult. Uh, it's a combination of poise, skills, speed, um, vision. And some guys are, are good offensive players, but they're not necessarily good power play players. They, they will create offensively at even a strength, five on five or four on four. But when they, because they, they touch the ice as a power play guy, it's not necessarily their specialty, what they're good at. So uh, that combination <clears throat> of having a few new players like uh, Provorov and, and some new guys here, <clears throat> I think that's that's slowing us down. We have a new coach in, in, in Mark Ricky and like I really enjoy working with this guy, Mark Ricky. He's played 16 1,652 games in the National Hockey League. He's a Hall of Famer, uh, won Stanley Cups. His brain is brilliant. He knows what it takes to win. And now he's trying to install a new mindset on the power play, so it's a little bit different. There is a change there, so it slows us down. But having said that, we should be better than what we are right now. That's the truth. We're not. And so when you face this, you look at the systems. Are we running the same, the good, uh, right, the right system? <clears throat> and we have all the technologies that we can possibly have to analyze all the other teams: the good power plays, the bad power plays, why they're good, all the stats, the advanced stats. We have everything. We have sheets and and computers, and we have advanced uh, uh, technology that will help us navigate all of this. And what we're trying to do and what the best, the very best teams in the league are doing, it's not very, it's not that much different. Now it's a matter of, okay, if, if it's not so much systematic, maybe we can tweak a few things and we will. Um, what is it about? Is it the right player? And I've learned, I've studied the power play for a long time. <clears throat> you have five players on the power play. Sometimes it's just, he's a good player, on the power play but he doesn't fit with the other four and sometimes all you need to find is who's the guy that you need to replace to make the other four work well together so they're connected so we're still figuring out who's good with who but to me right now the biggest issue that we have is the confidence on the power play the poise to make the next play too sometimes to slow it down to take a deep breath and, and okay, we're going to generate the next attack this way or, or that way. We're going to use a low play. We're going to use a play at the blue line. We're going to use a play from the half wall. We're going to use the guy in the middle. Depending on, on what how you feel and depending on the other teams, there's everybody has weaknesses. And right now we're not taking advantage of the weaknesses of the other teams um, because we want to go probably too fast. We just need to take a step down or take a deep breath. And, 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 and by doing that, the funny part is when you do that, then your power play becomes faster. So you're simpler, you're, it's an easier read, and then you have more attacks, more volume to the net, more puck recoveries, and then you can redo it again. So right now we're forcing plays, so it brings the confidence a little bit lower. You're, you're trying to make plays that aren't there or it's not part of the game plan because you see something, and I call it secret plays. So you know what you're going to do, but the other four don't know what you're going to do. That's a problem. Um, and at, at the end of the day, I think that the power play 
um, is a combination of uh, cohesion between the five guys and but also confidence and because five on five we're not scoring a whole lot of goals they feel a lot of pressure to maybe be the difference maker they're probably squeezing their stick a little bit too much and it's it's not helping us so we know all of this uh and more so our job is to okay let's do the foundation here we're gonna make it even uh, simpler we're going to have those three or four plays. That's what we're going to use to attack the net and, and create chances. And, and we'll go from there, build that, that confidence back in our units in order to move to the next step. But now we have to take a step back and say, OK, we're, we're going we're gonna to make things a little bit simpler. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I, I knew that you were going to be just such a great interview. Your hockey mind is just so awesome. Um, and I am so grateful that you're giving us this this insight to how you see some of the things that are happening with the team um, right now. And we have just a couple more questions for you. So I hope I hope that's OK. But all evening for you. I'm really happy to be with you guys. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so obviously we know this this last stretch of the beginning part of the season hasn't been something that we you know want to dwell on too much or uh, talk about too much. But one of the things that has been a bright spot is definitely Adam Fantilli. Um, he has been, you know, a bright light for this team basically since the day he was selected. Um, so how would you assess his development so far in the league? And how has he, a guy who has known success at all levels of hockey, responded to the challenge at hand here in Columbus this season? Yeah, we're very fortunate to have him. Um, he's, um, he, I'm getting to know him. So he's a young man. He's 19 years old, um, but he doesn't behave like a, um, and that's just my experience. I've had 19 years old players in the past, uh, whether it was at the junior level or even the American League level, and he, in the past in the NHL, he doesn't behave like an average 19-year-old NHL player. He's so much more advanced in his ability to understand um, what needs to be done. He is physically very advanced. He's a strong man, even though he's still a young man uh, on the ice. So you see him winning battles. His ability to recover between shifts is really good already. <clears throat> and sometimes it takes a lot of years because he's playing with a lot of intensity and his ability to recover on the bench. He's ready to go really quick, and that's a skill. Um, but to me, that the, the most exciting part to Adam Fantilli is he wants to be a difference maker right away. And um, he wants to be the, the guy that when the game is on the line, I can almost feel it. He's looking at me and he wants to be on the ice. And that's amazing. That's am I, 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 I love that. He's not necessarily looking at me, but I can feel it. That The energy that he has is, coach, put me on the ice, put me on the ice. So the dangerous part for me is to put him in positions not to succeed as much as he has to succeed right now and to create a little bit of damage to his confidence. He's a great hockey player. He's going to be really good for a very long time. Um, so we need to build him up and keep – he's got a very high self-confidence. We want to keep it that way. He knows he's a good player. 
and we want to build him up into a superstar in the NHL. So that <clears throat> mental side of it, we have to protect him. But so far, he's been more than what he's been he's been advertised for. Uh, great person, coming from a great family. He wants to be a hockey player. <clears throat> he also he's also very coachable. Uh, he wants to learn. He's willing to accept criticism, um, it, it, positive criticism. Uh, he works hard in practices. He's respected in the room, which is not an easy thing to do. We have a great room, but when, you have to understand that when you walk in the NHL dressing room, you're stealing somebody's job. And that job is to one of their friends. that They've been with that guy for a few years, and he's stealing that person's job somehow. So there's some guys that are like, okay, you might be the greatest one, but you're still taking the job of my friend away. And <clears throat> but everything went really good so far. So very exciting. This guy is um, he's uh, he's he's got so much potential. Um, I see it like a diamond right now. We need to protect the diamond, um, but he's. Uh, and he loves playing here. Um, well, like I said, well respected in the room by the coaches. He's a respectful young man, um, and he's learning. And part of what we're doing right now, everything that we're doing, is also for young guys like him. Like they're gonna grow in a culture that is has high standards, and we don't want him to have low standards. So I want we need him to see that. Hey, here when we play. For the Columbus Blue Jackets, this is how it's getting done, and and that's what we want. We want him to grow in that kind of environment where we're here about doing the right things all the time. We're here about being good teammates, working hard, um, playing the game the proper way all the time, so we can win and <clears throat> and make the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. So very very fortunate to have him. Yeah, Laura and I work with college students as our day job, and he definitely gives off the the vibe of somebody who is definitely a lot more mature than his years and is ready to to step up to the moment. So we're definitely lucky to have him here in Columbus. And, you know, like Laura said, we are incredibly grateful that you've taken so much time to really dive in deep to avoid the cliche hockey answer. I feel like a lot of coaches might give, especially in a moment where things are a little tough and, and where tensions might be high, but just to kind of – to sum it all up, and I mean, you've done this throughout the entire conversation, but, you know, with tensions being high among the, those in the fifth line, which, I mean, you think of sports fandom, that's always the case when your team's not performing the way that you would hope they would. You know, what's your message to those folks, the folks who are out there breaking points with the season, the folks that don't know what to make of what's happened or what's to come? What's what's the parting message to those who have, have been struggling this season to, to really latch into what's going on here in Columbus this year? I'm don't change just keep supporting us please um we're, we're um we, we value those people and and even more so than i ever did before and the reason being is going through the covid years and playing in front of empty buildings it's not the same game it's it's just different those people are part of what we do um we have great fans. I was absolutely amazed last year at the end of the year, like the building is sold out. We're not going to be in the playoffs. It was a hard year, lots of injuries, and they still showed up. I would say keep showing up. 
keep being passionate, um, voice your opinion, um, because I think it matters. And they have the right to do it. Um, if you're a fan, if you really care about something, you have an opinion. We, I, I mean, the people that don't, don't have any opinion, it's it, they're not truly supporting. They don't know exactly what's going on. Obviously, there's always people that they just look at the score and they don't know what happened. They don't know what's going on. And they're saying, okay, well, they, they're not very good. Okay, maybe. But the real fans, the real people that are following our team, I think that um, they see what we're doing. Maybe they don't like it. Maybe they do. Maybe they're not sure. Just like them, just like our players, there's a phase of uncertainty and and changes and it's you it, it creates um a sense of well i'm not sure what's going to happen next and nobody can be sure a hundred percent i just know that if we want to build this nice beautiful house in here in columbus that will go through all the kinds of weather good and bad that we need a solid foundation first and then i felt okay looking at the history of the team um maybe we need to tear it down and build it back up and and it's going to be a nice house it's going to stay with us it's going to be a nice house but I, i mean i wouldn't want them to i wouldn't say not in a million years um just support us and be just be yourself voice up your opinion if you're not happy say it if you're happy say it too um But if you do a little bit of research and you look at our team playing and how we progress, um, the, the people that are following us will see that there's there's steps that are being taken. And the guys, our players, are they're all in. They want to do it right. They're not happy right now with the results that we're getting, but the results is only the result of the process. And um, the final score. I mean, it is only the result of the process. And the process is if 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 to win a, a game, you need, let's say, as an example, 10, 10 things to go right. Right now we're doing maybe 6.5, maybe six, maybe seven, some other games. And those three components are costing us games. But most of the time, if you hit the seven good things out of 10, you're going to win games. Well, we haven't so far. The three really cost us. So we're going to clean that up. And then I think once we take off, we're going to be good. And the other thing is we're the second youngest team in the league. It takes time to grow and to, and to learn what it takes to be a good pro and to win consistently at this level. And some games we lost because we just made some young mistakes that were costly. And and that's okay, too. It's not okay. We don't like it, but it's, it's okay because we – We understand the the biggest thing for me is when I, the game is over, whether you win or you lose. Um, what's really scary for a hockey coach, and I, I'm sure it's true, but that's that's what I know the most. Hockey, the really scary thing is not knowing why. When you a game is over, whether you win or you lose, but you don't understand why you have won or why you have lost, that's very scary for me. Uh, and then I have to dig in and and, and watch uh, even more to understand the process that it that that we need to go over to win a hockey game. So I understand our games. It, it's it's 
I understand, and that's why I, I'm I'm so confident about our team, even though we're young, that the future is bright because I understand why we're either not winning or the, the games that we've won and what we need to do in order to get there. So um, we love our fans. I, I love the people in Columbus and and how they support us. Uh, I just I just hope and and really wish that they're gonna stay with us. Um, during those little bit troubled times, but you know it could change just like that at the NHL. The game can humble you in no time, but at the same time it can change just in one game, and then you take off for you don't know how many. Exactly, and that's kind of kind of how we've been feeling too as as things have progressed. And um, we have to say, you know, just from a personal side, that we've been very impressed with um, what you've uh, been doing so far this season and. Uh, we, like we said, we work with college students. So um, holding people, young people accountable for things and like wanting them to be better and pushing them to be their best is something that uh, we really resonate with um, as people too. So um, again, we can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule, especially during a holiday week uh, with lots of travel coming up for the team um, for you to join us today. Um, and also, you know, to thank you for what you're doing for our beloved you know, Blue Jackets to, like you said, build them into this really great house that, um, you know, the fifth line in the city of Columbus can be proud of, um, you know, for many, many years to come. So thank you again so much for your time today. It's been a true pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I mean, it's, um, I, I love to talk about, I, I mean, I could stay here with you guys for the next three hours. I really enjoy talking about the team. I, I, it's, it's here. It's in my heart. I, I'm a hockey guy and um, I, I love my job. I love this organization. So talking about it to me is just uh, just a pure pleasure with good people, obviously. Awesome. Well, you're welcome back anytime. We would love to have you on again uh, to talk hockey. So, um, yep. but, but happy Thanksgiving. And we, again, just can't thank you enough. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. And like we said, that could have gone on <laughs> for an extended period of time. And I don't even really know where to begin on the processing it and thinking it through. I mean, there are a lot of key takeaways that you and I continue to talk about in the conversation that we felt were meaningful. Again, going back to it, I said it before the interview started, the idea that, you know, Pascal Vincent doesn't want this team to change, doesn't want this fan base to change, wants people to continue to ask questions, wants people to continue to challenge. And, I especially appreciated that he was so open to talking about the fact that there are a lot of people that don't understand what this team has been through, what this team has, has, you know, experienced in its 20 plus years as a franchise. And he references being familiar with it. And he references why he can understand why the fans are a little bit, you know, stuck in the mud about stuff, but that he's trying to build, like he called it a house with a solid foundation. And, I don't know. I, I mean, like I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't enter this interview again, incredulous about some of the choices that have been made and maybe concerned about some of the coaching choices that have been made. But, you know, we have that conversation with him on Tuesday and then you see the team play on Wednesday and they were really respondent to a message, I think. So I don't know. It, it's, it was a great conversation and it swayed me a lot. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was really important and what made it feel even more of like an exclusive situation is that this was basically one of the first times he's ever been able to talk long form about his coaching style and what he inherited becoming the head coach three days before the start of training camp and, you know, all of his 30 plus years of coaching experience on, you know, all levels of hockey and how, you know, how he sees the game, how he loves the game and ultimately his plan of how he wants to take this team and re I know everyone hates the word rebuild, but like rebuild it into a team that um, the players can be proud to wear the sweater for. Not that they aren't right now, but like, you know, like players and future players will be proud to represent that the fans and the city of Columbus can be proud of and that will one day in, you know, the near future um, will be lifting and bringing the Stanley Cup to the city of Columbus. Um, And I think what was also really pertinent about this is that in the same week where we were getting a lot of pundits talking about, you know, the Blue Jackets just being a franchise, like not having a team identity, not having like any real like fundamental like things about them, like, you know, nothing that really makes players stand out as Blue Jackets. Like, and I think as as the fifth line, we can be a little um homery about that kind of stuff but like I just don't think deep down it's true um I think there's a lot of things that make the blue the blue jackets stand out um but it's just another one of those like underdog situations and again seeing everything that this team has gone through in the last 20 plus years is so different than what so many of the other franchises have gone through um and being a super small market team like it's just you know the cards that were dealt but like I think you know in his vision whether you agree with all of it or not I think it's the best version of where this team can go that we've seen in a long time Um, and it's the best version where we're actually like Jeremy said we're actually building a foundation to grow upon as opposed to just patching up holes or, um, you know, putting bandages on things. Like we're actually physically building a foundation that will establish those things that make it the blue jacket way or make it how they do, how they do hockey in Columbus. Like um, I think for the first time in a long time, those things are pretty evident he just doesn't get an opportunity to talk about them because so many other things have been more at the forefront um, in this uh, short part of the season where things have been such a freaking roller coaster. But if you walk away from this interview with anything though, it should be that his hockey mind is one of the most like fascinating and complex and like creative ones that, I think we've ever had the opportunity to speak with like, you know, and he says it like he could have talked to us for hours. um, And I would have listened just like mouth agape because, 
you know, I've been fascinated since, you know, Jeremy introduced me to hockey with just people who know the ins and outs of the game so well um, and share like that passion that we have. So, yeah. And I, and I think that that's the thing that has always been maybe not obvious, but has been something that people expected of Pascal Vincent, I think, is just his, you know, his ideas like he's not afraid to like push the envelope, try new things or that kind of deal. And for me, I think the thing that really stood out, my key takeaways are again, trying his best to differentiate the, the player from the person and trying his best to have care and, and admiration respect for the people, but also to challenge the player to be better. I think that that's a really delicate balance. And I think that you and I, to some extent, obviously we're not, you know, professional sports coaches, but you know, we what? are in situations. I know it's shocking. We are in situations where we have to challenge people to be better and recognize that like they probably aren't gonna love that. And they're probably gonna like as a person take that some kind of way. I mean, I think you and I have both been in situations before where we've received challenge or feedback that like didn't make us feel good as people, but like, you know there was likely separation there between the person and the thing. Right. And so, yeah, I I don't know. I think that for some reason, and and you said it best, like the way that he talks about hockey is so disarming. And I think the thing that is interesting to me is the same pundits that will say, and again, I'm not here to like, I have a lot of respect and, and, uh, here we go. I have a lot of respect and admiration for Pascal Vincent after yesterday's conversation or after Tuesday's conversation, I should say, but I'm not like ready to say like, Oh, best blue jackets coach to ever live. Like that's not where I'm at either. But I think that for pundits in a hockey media that talk so frequently about, Oh, well, you know, these coaches, you know, it's just a bunch of, it's the, old boys club and they just keep recycling the same 35 names for the same 32 jobs and this, that, and the other thing. And like, to be fair, like valid, like that's not incorrect, but then you get a guy who isn't one of those, right? Like he don't get me wrong is a perennial hockey coach. He was destined to be there. I wouldn't call him a career politician, but like you get what I'm saying. Like he's yeah. Like that was his trajectory of course, but yeah, I mean, you get a guy in there who's not one of those guys, and yet, like, he's overcoaching. He's this, he's that, he's the other thing. He's not a traditionalist, and I don't know if that's going to work. It might not, but it's interesting. It's interesting to hear him talk about it, and again, I think he was nothing but a great conversation, and I think that, you know, like you said, hopefully if people take anything away from this, it's he's got a hockey mind. He's smart. He also doesn't overcomplicate things in the sense of like, I didn't feel like he was talking down to us at any point in time and like not intentionally. And that's the other thing I'll say too. Like if that ever happens, it's because usually like people are just so in their zone. They're so in their element that like they might not consider or care about the fact that like the people who are listening to them talk about it, like might not have context, might not have this or the other thing he's, he was that right. Like he gave context for why he was saying certain things. He was helping the layman understand why he was saying certain things. He understood special or he didn't understand. He described special teams in a way that like not everybody describes, right? Like he wasn't just assuming that everybody knew everything he was talking about. I thought that that was really cool. 
Yeah, there's definitely like much like we try to keep this show um, to where like you could know two things about hockey. You could know a million things about hockey. Like you're going to understand the conversations that we have um, on our show. And, you know, again, we've had a lot of really great interviews and I wouldn't have ever been like too hockey jargony. But like for someone who is a head coach of a, you know, NHL team and would have every opportunity to strictly give like typical coach answers or like, you know, fill it up with a bunch of jargon that like he assumes that no one really knows that's like a casual fan. Um, He really broke it all down and like was very clear in wanting people in wanting, you know, people us to understand like everything that he was talking about and, why he makes the decisions that he does and why he's made the decisions that he has um, in the few short weeks that he has been the head coach. So um, yeah, it was just a really fascinating, you know, situation and just a really great conversation. I don't think this will be hopefully not the last time that we have him on the show, Um, but it was just such a good I also think we had a really good vibe. Like, I think we vibe well with everyone, but like, I think I, we vibed well. You know, it's not that I don't think we vibe well with everyone. I do. Sometimes not as much though. Like sometimes like it's harder. And again, like, because like these people are in just such a rhythm, like this is like a mid Usually I found that the best conversations we've had are like outside of the season with these people. Cause again, they're so locked in and I, you know, he wasn't, afraid to say that things suck a little bit right now (laughs) but he also wasn't a jerk about it and that's a really cool message i think right now especially because i don't know that everybody knows how to recognize that things suck right now without being a little bit of a jerk about it and so getting that message from him i think is really helpful and i think it's it speaks to this is this is my request right if you've listened to this episode and if you you know have come into it with the expectation that you were going to leave without having your mind changed about the guy or, you know, still thinking that he's not the right guy for the job. My only ask is that you give the guy a chance. I am not happy about the fact that this team has five wins in this first 20. I don't know that any person is. So he's, he's not no, happy about no, it. he is a competitive guy. I mean, this is a guy who has had competitive teams at every level. He's won trophies as you know coach of the year this and the other thing like i mean like he cares about it too like he's not going to be the kind of guy who's okay with losing for an extended period of time and so no matter what happens over the course of this season and what might happen afterward like continue to give the guy a chance let him show us what he's made of recognize the fact this is a guy that i don't think we talk about it enough because we think it's just going to be this smooth and easy transition and that there was no real ramifications from it because you don't want to give the guy too much of a platform or too much consideration, but recognizing that the position that he was put in really sucked. Like, and it was because of a guy that frankly, I don't think would have given the fifth line or people any amount of time in the way that Pascal Vincent did with us and the, in the way that Pascal Vincent, I think is going to continue to do for the fifth line. So um, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think he's going to be the best blue Jackets coach in history. I root for him because if he, if he can be that, then that's nothing but good news for our hockey team. But what I'll say is that 
folks need to give them a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, and, you know, we wanted to go into it with a, you know, pretty open mind too, but also not stray away from asking him some of the more like difficult questions. Like we definitely wanted to not waste this opportunity. Um, and hopefully you see that too. So, but it was just, you know, I definitely one of those pinch me opportunities and it's just, I think it's just such a great interview. I know that's a little biased because it's ours, but I just think it's such a great interview and I hope that everyone really um, enjoys it as much as we enjoyed um, having the conversation with him. So. Absolutely. And I, you know, when we recorded it, we weren't sure what Wednesday was going to bring. <laughs> we we're hopeful that it wouldn't bring anything crazy. And so that way folks would be more excited to listen to this. And of course, Wednesday brought a win, a seven to three win over the Chicago Blackhawks in which, you know, the team really looked at least for the first two periods, they looked really great. The, the third period, I think they kind of knew that they had it in the bag. So I think it got a little sloppy, but generally speaking, I thought it was a quality win for the team. And Pascal Vincent said that, there are players like Patrick Line who are working on, you know what I mean? So again, like that public affirmation, that praise there was there. And, you know, yeah, I, I just, that one felt good. I was waiting for the shoe to drop the entire time. Boone Jenner scores really weird goals. He's at 10 now. Um, I, I'm not going to talk about it for long. Connor Bedard's shot is really good. But I will tell you this. I He wasn't noticeable outside of that to me. Mm-mm. I didn't think so. And like, I'm not like trying to be like a homer or anything here, but like, I think that Adam Fantilli, I mean, and obviously it feels easy to say that about the team that wins seven to three. I think Adam Fantilli left more of a mark on that game than Connor Bedard did in all aspects of the game. Connor Bedard shot stupid. Like that was insane. Like, can we agree? Like that was fucking nasty, but generally speaking, I thought that Adam Fantilli had way more of an all around impact on that game. And I think that that's going to be indicative of their careers. I think that Adam Fantilli will always be a better all around player and that Connor Bedard is going to be like the superstar goal scorer, this, that, and the other thing. And so he's going to get the attention, but like, I'm happy with what we have out of Fantilli, a beautiful assist on that Patrick line, goal, like insane. So they good. had, they had Thanksgiving dinner together tonight. I love their bromance. I'm a, I'm obsessed with it. Can we talk about it? I'm obsessed. It's so cute. And how much Jeff- do you think they paid for that little plate of steak though? Like I'm let's talk oh, about like- that. Um, And Jeff has started calling them the air fryer boys. So, Which, what else can you call them? (laughs) I'm just glad that that steak did not come out of an air fryer tonight that they had for Thanksgiving. Can you confirm it? They were at a restaurant. Can you confirm that the restaurant? (laughs) I cannot. But if if they went to a restaurant and paid what I assume is a ridiculous amount of money to get a steak out of an air fryer then someone needs to be have better financial planners because them boys going to be broke soon. Fair. Fair enough. But they've got, obviously, I just feel like they're playing so many games. <laughs> I feel like so I can't. Games. I, I feel like I can't keep track of it. And they like also have played more games, I think, than most teams in the league, which is frustrating especially because they have the least amount of um not actually the least amount of points but what feels like the least amount of points yeah they've played 20 games tampa bay has played 20 but they're the only no vegas and vancouver oh seattle's played 21 so maybe i need to shut up but it feels like they're playing a lot of games so tomorrow they've got the devil so today as you're listening that game is at three o'clock uh so it might have already happened when you're listening sorry about that 
But then they have a Saturday off. Then they play the Hurricanes on Sunday. So, and then they have the Bruins on Monday. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so we've got another, like, three games in four days. Like, it's pretty intense down the stretch here. So hopefully they can string away some points there, keep chipping away at some of this negative momentum that they've built and maybe start climbing up the right way. But we'll see. Yeah. I was just happy to finally see you win. And I, and I don't need to go to any more this year. Like, I'm 2-1. and one. I have a winning record. I have a winning record. Like, we can't jinx it. Like, we can't jinx it. I have to be done. I have to retire for the season. So we're not going to go to any more games? No, together. we're done at this point. Yeah, no. i sorry to inform. And it has to be. That or Corinne has no. to come with us. Well, fine. The next game you're going to is when you're home for Christmas anyway. So that's true. Yeah, we could bring her. We could. It'll work. It'll work. For reference, our friend Corinne went with us to the game last night, and I am not entirely unconvinced that she's not our good luck charm. But I digress. I just think it's rude that you said that you weren't going to go to any more games with me. I mean, I probably will. All signs point to most definitely probably will. Jesus. <laughs> anyway. All right, Laura. Well, I think we've kept the people here for a considerable amount of time already, and I love that they're still here. And I'm wondering if there's anything else on your hockey heart other than all the things that we've talked about, our wonderful interview with Pascal Vincent, uh, the the triumphs, and hopefully the minimal tribulations to come. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um I don't know. I don't know if we talked. Did we talk about Boone being now the longest playing Blue Jacket? No, but I mean, yeah, he is. Uh, so he passed Rick Nash. 677 now? Yeah, I think he's up to 677 or 676. It's one of the two. It's, yeah, but he, he is now officially the um, most tenured Blue Jacket playing in the most games in franchise history. And Nick Felino in town yesterday when they recognized him. I thought it was cool that he was showing some love there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Is that tweet. <laughs> People love Nick Felino, but yeah, it's um it's quite the feat. I mean, it's there aren't a lot of players today in the NHL that stick around with a team for as long as Boone Jenner has, and especially players like Boone Jenner. I feel like those are the kind of players that get traded as they're ending their deals because like they're so valuable and you know they might not be game breakers necessarily for the jackets Boone Jenner is one but that's like maybe more of an indictment than it is a celebration but it's he is Mr. Blue Jacket right like I mean like he is up there as being one of those people that you could consider to be that and I'm not going so far as to say that he's ever going to be a player that has his jersey retired in Columbus but there's something about the way he plays there's something about the fact again he's the most tenured Blue Jacket like it screams Mr. Blue Jacket. Yeah. And he just, he loves being here. He loves being a Blue Jacket. It means a lot to him. It's where he was drafted and where he's been able to spend the last 11 years. So, um, you know, met his wife here, got married in Ohio, like, you know, all that sort of stuff. We'll probably start a family here in Ohio. Um, yeah. And he just, He's not the same kind of captain that Nick Felino was, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, he cares about the city and cares about the fans and 
is real awkward when they ask him to make like selfie videos. Um, but hey, I wouldn't change him for the world. No. The makes two of us. Yeah, definitely awkward <laughs> selfie videos. And I love that about him. They're it's always like, at the worst camera angle. Hey, fifth line. Thank you. <laughs> so bad, but I he's love like, it. The None phone's of them... all the way down here, but he's looking up at something. Like it's I feel bad for every intern whose job it is to go up to them and say, Hey, I know you're not gonna wanna, but could you hold this phone and say some nice things? About Thanksgiving and you're a Canadian and your Thanksgiving was a month and a half ago. <laughs> Don't cloud the issue with facts. You can't be doing that. You can't be doing that at all. It's true. But, all right, my friend. Well, let's send this one home. The Blue Jackets have, again, three games in the next four days. So the next episode is going to be a busy one. Stay tuned on if we call it episode 201 or if it's going to be episode 204. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's probably going to be 204. Because <laughs> I feel like I need to know. Because like, if we don't do that, I'm never going to know what episode we're on. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to revert back to yeah, the actual have to numbers. Episode 204. But thanks for also buying into that shtick with us. I don't know if anybody really did. But I, if you didn't, you didn't say anything. And so that's half of the win right there. So we appreciate you. I think it'd be 203. I think this one's 203 because we did 199.5, 199.75, and then this one. 199.5 would have been 200. So 200. Yeah. 75 would have been 201. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. This is 202. So it would be 203. Okay, great. Yeah, good check. Laura yeah. refuses to let me leave a podcast thinking I'm right about something, but I'm actually wrong. She like actually does not allow that to happen. And so I'm really glad that we got to get one in for this one. I feel satisfied. Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. okay, anyway, Laura's going to bring us home and tell you all the good places that you can find our content over the course of, again, a really busy weekend ahead for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's just remember that, folks, that he also said he was not going to go to any more games with me. So, let's Which just... is now confirmed, by the way, in case anyone's curious. <laughs> I'm flipping him off with my eyes right now. Um, anyway, so yes, you can follow us on social media. Our personal accounts are ITR Jeremy and ITR Laura. And then you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at subjectively speaking. We also have a website, subjectlyspeaking.com, that has all the links to all the things. Um, if you are starting to do your Christmas shopping or want to get something for your or holiday shopping or want to get something for yourself, uh, we do have a merch store. Uh, it's subjectively, subjectivelymerch.com. Lots of cute, fun things that you can get there. And lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe at what uh, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. Um, and as you all know, we don't know how the algorithms work. We just know that your ratings and subscriptions and likes and comments um, all help us to get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps to bring a little more loveliness to our little community. And other than that, we just love and appreciate and are so very, 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 very grateful 
that you have stuck around with us for 200 plus episodes and we hope that you will stay around with us for the next 200 so yeah we just love and appreciate you guys so much that we do and until we get the chance to talk to you all next time make sure you take care of one another take care of yourselves remember the hockey is for everyone and we really do mean everyone and we will talk to you soon Bye.